You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns is brought to you by Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar ever. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. We might be ranting a little bit here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. You can follow our show on Twitter and on Instagram at LockedOnPHXSuns, and you can follow me on Twitter and the Locker Room app at BrendanClean14. More to come on the Locker Room app every week. Coming your way. I'll give you more details this upcoming week. But because it is Monday, I'm joined by Brandon. You know him as Zona on Twitter. He is at AZ Sports Zone. And we are coming after a Pacers game on Saturday night to you. We will not be talking about that game because uh, it was a disappointing loss and honestly just a, a really nice performance by the Pacers. Not a lot of takeaways, at least in my opinion, from a Suns perspective. So, Brandon, setting that game aside, it's been an onslaught of basketball this week between the NCAA conference tournaments and some Suns basketball back in our lives. How you feeling? It's been great. It's kind of uh, making up for last March where we didn't get anything. So um, definitely a good time to be a basketball fan in general. And I got to shout out Grand Canyon University for clinching their first ever uh, ticket to the big dance. That, so that was fun last night. Um, Thunder Dan dead coach bounce. No. <laughs> Am I, is that is that sacrilege? A little bit. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, he's they couldn't have done it without him. He really helped build the program. But um, and Jerry Colangelo as well. Another Suns, a lot of Suns ties over there. But um, you know, happy for that yeah, we program. Got, uh, we got Georgetown crashing the party as well. Oregon State. <laughs> it's uh, it's just as mad as we like it to be this time of year in college basketball. We're gonna take a bit of a break from. That stuff until we maybe have a couple more, um, you know, real tournament games and things like that. But we will have plenty of uh, Suns draft stuff related to the tournament. Also, if somebody does something crazy, we're probably liable to talk about it, especially because we'll be here on Monday every week right after the first two rounds. So stay tuned. I'm sure you'll be watching as well, guys. But from a Suns perspective, what we're going to hit on today is the Dario Sharks, DeAndre Ayton dynamic. Dario now having closed three of the past four games for the Suns and uh, Aiton, you know, having one of his slumps that that we've seen him have in the past, Uh, you know, at least from an energy and and whatever perspective. We'll get into that. We'll also get into Frank Kaminsky, the will he, won't he start dynamic that has continued and, and what we see the big man rotation shaping up to be over the course of the rest of the season and into the postseason. And then to piggyback off of John Hollinger, we're going to close the show with a 2019 NBA redraft because Hollinger turned some eyes, uh, turned some heads, I think, this week when he had Cam Johnson sixth overall in his redraft. I know Suns fans are probably happy, so we'll see if Brandon and I agree with one John Hollinger to close the show today. But let's dive into this Dario um, DeAndre dynamic, Brandon, because where I'm starting to go and, and and look is we'll get into the numbers I pulled some of it the the lineup combinations and everything else but it's just been hard to deny I don't feel like Monty was wrong 
to close these three games, the Lakers game, the Trailblazers game, and now this Pacers game with Dario at the five. It seemed like the right decision, and I don't know what that says about the the, the team overall, but uh, I can't fault him for these three at least. Yeah, and they won those first three games too, like closing with Dario. So, you know, like they're in a playoff race right now, and every game is critical. So Monty closing with that lineup, you could take that how you want. Um, You know, if if I'm DeAndre, then, you know, I got to take that a little personally, you know, and um, just as a competitor, you know, Dario's been playing amazing. So that's, it's a plus. And when you have someone like that, that can come in and close out games and, I don't know. I just I want DeAndre to just step up and play so well that he's like Monty can't take him off the floor to close a game out. Like that's the- is he the type of guy who I don't know. I mean, I don't. I try not to like psychoanalyze players too much, especially in this weird season where we're not even around them day to day on the reporting side. But I'm just not sure he's the type of guy that responds to that type of thing. Like, what evidence do we have that he's going to look at this and and like? up the ante I just don't feel like that's where he gets his motivation yeah that's fair he's more of it seems like whenever he's built up that's more of where he gets his confidence from so I don't even think Monty's yeah, he doing likes it to be necessarily kind of pumped up and supported yeah yeah and I don't think Monty's necessarily doing it to send a message but I think he just wants to win games and I think DeAndre needs to take that a little more personally than he probably is I know he's very selfless he's a team guy great teammate but, you know, you got to have that edge. And I just I haven't seen that uh, consistently from him. And that's just the frustrating part with with him because when he's locked in, we've seen what he can do. He changes games on both sides of the floor. So it's just about finding that consistency with him. How do you or I guess why do you feel like Dario has such a positive impact on this team, even with. Because I, I know, like, the thing that I get so in trouble with with fans sometimes, and I do have to check myself on it occasionally because I'll go too far, I think, but there are a lot of players who just impact the game at a higher level than, De- than DeAndre, and a lot of fans will just say, oh, well, you know he's better than that. I'm like, you know, don't don't throw around, like, a, a Brooke Lopez comparison or, you know, people have said Andre Drummond, and it's like, come on, like, fans don't want to hear that, but... Now we have a guy in Dario Saric who's consistently uh, just making a, a positive impact more consistently than than DeAndre Ayton. Why do you think that is, even though we know just looking at them that obviously Ayton is just more, has more upside, has more total ways he can he can impact the game? It just doesn't happen. Why is Dario doing that compared to Ayton right now? I just think his shooting gravity combined with his quick decision-making just really opens up their offense and with all the cutters and all the shooters and scores they have on this team, it just really optimizes their offense. And on the other side of the floor, defensively, he's definitely not the most athletic or quickest guy out there, but he knows where to be. He's strong. You're not going to move him from his spot. And he knows exactly how fast he moves. And he uses that to prepare for drives and putting himself in the right position instead of overplaying, which, you know, Aiton's done that a few times where he's gotten beat for overplaying. Um, just like little things like that, just knowing how to, you know, just the veteran savvy of Dario, I think is, uh, another reason that they've been sticking with him to close out games. Well, you look at the last night was a good example that I'll use for a couple things here. First, 
there was the okay so the stretch of the game that that did matter was the end of the third quarter and it was it was noteworthy to me because it was one of the first times all year we've seen the Suns really lose their cool like the Pacers started to really make life difficult for them on the defensive end Miles Turner got a couple blocks Um, they were getting in the passing lanes creating transition opportunities on and on the Suns sort of hung their head I mean they they got back into the game in the fourth quarter it didn't you know, fall apart necessarily and turn into a blowout, but they didn't, they didn't fight back there. And, and a lot of that to me was Aiton. And that was the point in the game before even the end of the third quarter came that uh, DeAndre got pulled and, and Dario went in. And I think if I'm, if I was reading it right, being in the building there, it was because DeAndre was hanging his head a little, like, um, you know, the, the pace of the game was picking up. He's tired. He had played eight, nine minutes at that point. He's not getting the ball at all because the Suns' offense isn't working. They're, they're turning the ball over. No one's, you know, getting the ball in position to score. And, and I think it sapped his, his emotional energy a little bit there. And so I think that's that type of thing can't happen. And I think, you know, Dario, to me, the evolution of his career in large part has to do with that emotional toughness because this was a guy who had a similar um, – he, he could get down on himself in Philly, in Minnesota – and, and that's not happening as much, even especially last season, I would say, even as a son for, for stretches. He was out of the rotation in January of last season. So Dario doesn't have that. And the other thing that I think is a positive about Dario when you're in a win or, you know, win or lose, do or die sort of situation in a game is the defensive awareness. Like he is not an athlete. He is not by any means like really that long or or quick or any of those things you would associate with a center defensive player but at the same time he reads the game I think at a higher level on that end than DeAndre maybe that's just experience maybe that's you know his overall basketball IQ just being a touch higher than DeAndre's but um, that that to me shows up in big ways where you were seeing Doug McDermott just back cut the Suns I'm not saying that that Dario would have, you know, corralled those necessarily better, but I don't think those mistakes, those breakdowns happen as consistently when Dario is out there, at least lately. And then, um, yeah, you know, the sun scheme overall protects people. There's no need for rim protection in the first place because Dario, you know, DeAndre doesn't do that. He's not really a shot blocker. It's more positioning and help and, and length and all of those things. So Dario is not in a system where he's going to get exposed. It's all of that to me. Um, but my question to you is, why do we, uh, wh- where do we think this will be down the season? Like, is this just something Monty's trying, sort of a break glass thing where he wants to get a look at it because it might come into effect come playoff time? Or do you think this is something we really see going forward? Monty said he doesn't expect it to become the norm, but also, like you said, they want to win. And if this is the best way to do that, do they do it more? Yeah, it's, uh, it's tough to gauge out right now because Monty's really ex- like experimented a lot with lineups and situational things uh and he hasn't really stuck with anything consistently i feel like this entire season which uh, we can get to later with when we talk about uh, frank but yeah i think um as far as dario closing out games it just comes down to this team wants to win games desperately and if we were a different team like you know rebuilding focusing on the future <clears throat> then i think deandre would be out there closing games out but that's just not the case like they uh that, and that should just show you that you know whenever ayton's in there you know, they're not comfortable with his consistency and they don't know what they're going to get to close out games. And you just can't have that. And that's just building trust with the coaching staff. And it seems like Dario has that right now. And he's just playing at 
you know, one of the highest levels in, in the league right now, especially off the bench. I'd, outside of Jordan Clarkson, I'm not sure who's uh, who's going to beat him out for second in uh, sixth man of the year. So, One more thing COVID stole from us is Dario's uh, sixth man of the year candidacy. Unfortunately, if he had not gotten sick and not gotten injured as he tried to get back on the floor, I think we'd be talking about uh, – I think we would. And it's so rare for a big man to do it, but – He's been that good. It's it's disappointing for sure. Yeah, I agree. We'll have to see how uh, this dynamic continues. I'm not ready to paint a picture out of three brushstrokes here of three games being closed with Dario over Aiton, but I don't think it's going to just go away by the snap of Monty's fingers because if it's the right move in a fourth quarter, then Monty's going to do it. It's It's really not a question to me whether he would. It's more does Aiton command that back and and I just don't know I mean it's it's actually a really interesting inflection point for his career which is why I wanted to talk about it and we'll get more into this big man rotation here in just a moment but first a quick word from our friends Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research so whatever the situation Headspace really can help you feel better overwhelmed well headspace has a three minute sos meditation just for you if you need some help falling asleep headspace has wind down sessions that their members swear by and for parents headspace even has morning meditations you can do with the little ones headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress improve sleep boost focus and increase your overall sense of well-being i know we've all been looking for ways to decompress to relax to clear our minds lately and headspace is the perfect one for you because it's quick. It doesn't have to be a big commitment. You just sit down, do, like I said, three-minute SOS meditation, something right when you wake up. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's not go to a, you know, a store or <laughs> buy something every day. It's none of that. It's quick, it's personalized, and it's just right. So Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. So it's obviously well-spoken for. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule, anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier in Headspace. Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash NBA, all one word. That's headspace.com slash NBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. If you're not already on BetOnline every day with March Madness fully underway, I'm not sure what you're doing. Props, game odds, real-time stuff, live betting, they have it all. You really are on this Georgetown bandwagon. I don't fault you. Go for it. Put some money down. Put some money down on every game and for them to win the whole thing. Cinderella's are the best part of this stuff, right? So get in on the action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need to craft your betting schedule. It's the best way to place a bet, and best of all, it's free to sign up. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to download their app. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus when you make your first deposit and use the promo code Locked On Again, sign up at betonline.ag, use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Back here with more on the Suns' big man rotation. Wanted to remind everyone first as well to join our Locked On 
Bracket Challenge. March Madness is here, and that means Bracket Madness. Join our Locked On Listener Bracket Challenge group on ESPN. Submit your March Madness picks. Beat your favorite hosts like me. And if you win, you will get a guest appearance on Locked On Today, our daily news podcast. The link to join is in the show notes of this episode, so get your picks in today. Okay, Brandon, so I'm just going to give you the floor. You told me that you had uh, something to say regarding the continued starting spot for one Frank Kaminsky. What is on your mind? And I want to preface this. This is not Frank slander. This is just more, I don't understand what they're doing with the whole Frank starting thing. Like, can, can we stop? Like, uh, he's been great. He's, he's exceeded my wildest expectations, and I think he should stick in the rotation, but uh, Jay Crowder needs to be the starter. And this is, has nothing to do with the game last night at all. Um, and I know, like, winning cures all, and it's, it's worked, so I'm not trying to, you know, mess with that. But, you know, you signed Jay Crowder for a reason. You saw how successful Miami was using him as a four next to Bam. Um, and I have some numbers, like as a starter, Jay Crowder's true shooting percent is, you know, 61% off the bench. It's, it's 48. Um, you know, he's, he's 13 points better per hundred possessions offensively when he's a starter versus coming off the bench. Um, 11, five and two, as opposed to seven, four and one when he's coming off the bench. Um, and he's shooting 33% as a reserve and 39, almost 40% as a starter from three. So I just don't get it. I I really don't. Um, In the playoffs, you just can't start Frank Kaminsky. So, and that's what this whole thing is all about the playoffs, right? Just getting your team ready, getting a rhythm and the rotation is going to get cut. And I'm not sure Frank's going to be a part of that rotation. So for me, it's about getting as many reps as you can now while your team's healthy. And I think their best, solution to that is starting Jay Crowder and I'm just I'm just kind of over the whole Frank starting thing like I, I understand their record's been great and he's been fine and it's only like five six minutes and then he's he's out for like another pretty much the like he just gets two stretches basically every game where it's like five or six minutes and and then he's done um yeah at the start of each half basically he's in there and I'm not sure really what it's doing at this point um personally like Honestly, you know, I'm at the point where if you really feel like you need the size to start the game, which I dis- I disagree with just a- as a philosophy, but if that's even the goal, like, start Dario. I'm not really sure um, what Frank in particular is giving you. Now, I-, I get, like you said, he shouldn't be starting, but maybe he should be in the rotation. I think that's the hard part, and that's actually why you see some of these coaches use the starting lineup as the way to get somebody minutes is that it, it doesn't make sense for them to be in the second unit quite as much. Like we know there's overlap between Dario and Frank, and we know that Dario's just better. So if you're going to have them both off the bench, well, that doesn't make much sense because Dario should be getting all of those minutes. And, you know, where you don't really want to play them together. Cause that's, I think a recipe for a problem on defense. Like I get the thing, I just don't really understand the urgency to get Frank minutes at all. Not that I, again, like you, you want to reward players who work hard and who adapt and grow and, and fit into your system and, and do what you ask. I get all that. That's culture building and that's, you know, just just human human decency. Like you want to 
you know, a guy busts his ass to, to make himself better in your system. You don't want to say, okay, thanks. Here's some, you know, hit the wood. Like, thank you for your services. But yeah, it, it doesn't really add anything in my opinion. And your point about Jay is really good. Not only because I think his place in the starting lineup is what is going to make this team the best come playoff time, but also you're the, the, at what we see from Crowder backs up all those numbers you gave, which are really, really eye-opening in and of themselves, but he plays more loose in a bad way when he's off the bench. We saw that last night. This is a guy who's going to pull up from mid-range out of nowhere, who's going to try to run a pick and roll. Like, he's liable to do some, some funny things when you let him loose in that second unit, and I don't think that's always for the best. It's Sometimes in a possession, I get his mentality of, I got to shoot because no one else is going to, or, you know, this possession's falling apart, I got to do something. But it's not, it's not the best use of Jay Crowder either. So you're now having a bad use of Frank, which is, you know, putting him in the floor at all, un- unfortunately. And then you have a bad use of Crowder, which is, you know, having him be sort of a more offensive player in the second unit. It's just not great. And so I think you're completely right. I don't think it'll happen, but to play devil's, I don't think it'll happen come playoff time, but to play devil's advocate, I actually do think from the Brooklyn game on for the most part, or, or sorry, from the Chicago game on for, for the most part, that was the, the, the first one since the Nets game when Crowder started. It was the road Chicago game right before the All-Star break. Crowder started, and there was no reason to do it. Like It's not like Chicago scares you. That, to me, was when Monty, I think, decided, okay, we're finally going to do this again. But ever since then, there have been injuries, most, as, namely to Cam Johnson, right? So now Cam can't be the backup four, so you need Crowder to be the backup four. Otherwise, if you're, again, you're back to, if Crowder starts, you have no replacement for what Bridges and Crowder do because Johnson's not in there. So I think that might be a, a simple answer here, Brandon, is that Cam having COVID or, you know, we can assume he has it. I'm not going to speculate too much. He's been out for a while, though, so I think we can safely say that. Um, that might be what really doomed this, and it might go right back to normal once Cam gets back. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's, it's probably 100% just his rotations and what he prefers with what he has right now at his disposal. So uh, I just really think this team needs some consistency, though, with um, which is it's easier said than done when navigating this the season, obviously with everything that's gone on. But um, you know, especially in the stretch run, I, I would love to see Crowder in that starting lineup. And and I don't think you should build your rotation around Frank Kaminsky under any circumstance. So um, you know, I just ask Steve Clifford. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think that's fair to say. Exactly. Yeah, and I I don't know. I just I think the long term, like the whole reason they signed Crowder was to be this you know, small ball four that can guard bigger wings. And, and I just really want to see them start making teams adjust to them instead of, you know, they see two bigs and, you know, they're they're terrified, so they have to throw in Frank. Um, I'd prefer Dario in that situation, which you mentioned earlier. But, um, yeah, there's there's only so much you can do with, with Cam out, I guess, and there's certain rotations he wants to make and staggers and all that. So we'll see how it all, like, culminates come playoff time but for now I'm just I'm I'm kind of over the whole Frank starting experiment (laughs) they definitely need Cam back just to get him in rhythm because he quietly has has not had like an excellent season that many of us were hoping for he's been good his three-point efficiency is is uh, obviously and and always will be good but he just hasn't been able to develop much of a rhythm himself 
for a lot of these same reasons. So yeah. I mean, it hit a little I bit agree. of a it's my sophomore single... slump too. Then the kind of the middle of the season where yeah. he couldn't make a three to save his life for a while. He's kind of rebounded from that a little bit. Exactly. And it's my single biggest nitpick with Monty in general is that he he just can't settle on a rotation. He hasn't been able to do it for two years. He, you know, game to game even, like, they don't always stack. I mean, not to get into a whole other can of worms, but it, it, it revolves around the point you made of needing to settle in, in 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 every way you can come, you know, to get ready for the playoffs. Like, even staggering Book and, and Chris Paul, we, we don't know what to expect game to game. The players don't know what to expect. Are they going to always have one of those two on the floor, or are they not? Are they going to, you know, have two big men are they going to have one big man and some of that's adjusting and, and obviously you want to do that and we talked about that with regard to just wanting to win but um it, it just as much as you possibly can I think you want to start to develop that there's yes it's the second half of the season but this is also a short season there's only about two months until the playoffs so yes there's a lot of games in there but um just from a, of a consistency sake you want to try to settle things down here but quickly before we close this off I think these numbers are a little interesting. So um, Dario and DeAndre, which is a, a unit I'm actually coming around to a little more. I don't hate it as much as I thought I did early in the season or last season, but that is plus 7.5 per 100 possessions, but they've only played 69 possessions outside of garbage time together. So TBD, I think we'll see it more. Um, Frank and DeAndre, the one that has started a ton that we're talking about right now plus 0.6, which has gotten a, slowly gotten worse over time um, in 418 possessions. They average out to plus 0.6 per 100. So nothing really special going on there anymore. I, I think that's part of why Monty might want to go away from it. And then DeAndre on his own without either one of those guys is plus 4.5 in almost 1,800 possessions. So Interesting. And that's per 100. So that's that's actually pretty good, and it shows that he doesn't need a player like that um, necessarily. So the, the number, I get it's not that simple, but just statistically, like the numbers don't show that, oh, DeAndre Ayton needs another big, and the two best and most played lineups he's been on the floor with are with um, two forwards, smaller forwards, or in, in one case, three forwards, that lineup that they started when Book was out with Bridges, Johnson, and Crowder was pl- is plus 26.3 per 100 possessions. One of the best lineups the Suns have ever thrown out there. So to me, that says get some length out there, get some shooting out there, and get some athleticism out there, and you're going to make DeAndre's life easier than you would with you know a, a sort of standstill plotting big man. But yeah, and he, uh, that's enough on that. We'll do the 2019 redraft unless you have any other thoughts on this big man. Thing. I was just going to say, you look at DeAndre's uh, statistical profile throughout his career, he's always been at his best with two wings next to him. Uh, you look at their lineup last year with Oubre, Bridges, uh, Booker, and and, uh, Ru- and Rubio, yeah. and you know that lineup, I think, what had the second highest or highest net rating in the league. Um, it was limited sample size for a while. Yeah, it did, but yeah, but yeah, I think that's the best way to go long term, and that's kind of why the Crowder signing made so much sense to me. And they just haven't used it the way that I envisioned it, and it's it's not too late for that. But, but I think it's the best long term solution for this team, for sure. And I think uh, the sooner Cam gets back, the sooner the team can see it, and it'll obviously be one of the major storylines of the rest of this season for the Suns. So let's close out that 
I'm sure we'll have plenty more thoughts on it as things go along. We'll close the show as well with a 2019 NBA redraft. Where does Cam Johnson go? And uh, where does Zion Williamson go? Of course, he's going to go number one. I'm kidding. Let's get to it right after a quick break and a word from our friends once again at Built Bar. The best tasting protein bar ever. You've heard about it for quite a while. Um, But as you've heard as well, we are working with Built Bar to find the best tasting of all of the best tasting protein bars. That's right. Built Bar Madness is here. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber protein bar. But the best part, of course, is finding the flavor you love. 100% chocolate on the outside of all of them, but there's everything from peanut butter brownie, which you've heard me standing for a while. There's also fruitier flavors like raspberry or orange, and they are constantly innovating. So you need to go to builtbar.com or to at built underscore bar on Twitter, compete, vote, make sure your favorite gets to the finish line, just like your favorite March Madness Cinderella. Remember, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BiltBar.com. Again, LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BiltBar.com. And don't forget to check back, keep voting, and see who won the matchup of the day and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Closing the show, taking a cue from John Hollinger here with a 2019 NBA redraft. I believe they also did this on Chad Ford's NBA big board during the NBA hiatus last year. Um, when they were redrafting everything. It's always fun, I think, to check back in. And being that Brandon and I are draft heads, Brandon even more so than me, I think it's a fun exercise for our Monday show here. On that note, remind, reminding you guys as well to check out Locked On NBA Draft, our newest show. If you want to know more about this year's draft or just geek out about prospects, this is the place for you. Scouting reports, rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Brandon, I will give you the first overall pick, which is good but also predictable. Take it away. Yeah, so this one's tough. Um, I really had to think pretty hard about it, but uh, I'm going to go with Zion Williamson out of Duke. Walk me through your decision-making there. That's really interesting selection. Yeah, I know, I know it's pretty bold. Uh, you know, just one of the most efficient <laughs> players of all time at his age and, you know, an all-star. So it, it was tough, but had to take him over some other options that were very intriguing. I th- yeah, wasn't it like the fastest to whatever points he just crossed, like 1,400 points since, like, Michael Jordan or something? Yeah, I, I feel as if he's uh, proving – his or it was the most points in 60 games of anyone since Michael Jordan that was the stat um so yeah all-star starter which was maybe a little bit rigged but still uh very much earned his 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 number one overall selection so this is where I would say maybe things get interesting however uh, I sort of disagree as well I'm one who really thinks John Morant's one of the best young players in the NBA right now so I'm gonna go chalk as well here John Morant of the Grizzlies um, approaching 100 games played, pretty much a lock in a big game in a, you know, when things are going well, he's going to give you 20, 20 and 10 and probably make the biggest play of the game. Like, I'm a huge John Morant fan, so I'm going with him number two. Yeah, can't blame me there. Those are, for me, just the clear-cut top two. And it, since, you know, following that draft, those are my two guys. So It's actually kind of rare that, that, I mean, maybe not rare, but... It's interesting that that happened. Oh, no, it's like, def- those were the two guys rare. for a you while. You look back at you know recent drafts, and usually 
one of the two are going to end up uh, not turning out so well. It's usually when it's chocolate. Yeah, you had like Fultz, you have Lonzo, like it's not, yeah, it, it is kind of unique. I mean, you know, injuries and everything can change this, but right now, a couple years out, it's, that's, that's fascinating. All right, you got number three. So number three, R.J. Barrett. I think a lot of people gave up on him a little too early, just in a terrible situation last year. Now he's around a little more that's talent. And, um, yeah, I think I've, lo- I've liked what I've seen. He's kind of that him and Randall are the engines driving that offense, and you know, I've, been, I've been pretty impressed with him. I think he's taken uh, a pretty massive leap as far as, where he was last year and um you know he has the frame the size and strength i I think there's a lot more there and as they get more nba players there he's only going to look better yeah that's interesting he's been on a little bit of a hot streak lately i know he's been turning a lot of heads um scoring pretty nicely i hope i really liked him i had him i think i'm i think i might have had him number two as embarrassed as i might be to say that um yeah i'm pretty sure i did I think I had him number two. Culver might have been number three. I think I had Ja fourth, which was not smart on my part back then. Um, but anyway, um, I hope it. I hope it goes in the right direction for him. I think he has a lot of promise. DeAndre Hunter is. I think I feel like I have to go chalk here. I'm going between him and PJ Washington. Um, I really like PJ, but I I'm not sure the productivity is quite there. He had a 40 point night recently. You know what? I'll do it. I'll spice things up. I'll I'll go with with PJ Washington, who went twelfth in the original draft to the Hornets. I'll go with him at number four. Looks like you just uh, copied my board because those are my top four so far, and Hunter is my fifth. So, um, okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm just gonna go with DeAndre Hunter then with the uh, with the fifth pick. But I like the PJ pick a lot. I think he's uh, he's he's improved a lot since his freshman year at Kentucky. Like he returned for a sophomore year there, and he's kind of made that same leap um, in the NBA. And just he's someone. The Suns, like, they're very happy with Cam, especially getting him at 11, which was considered a, a reach, and now it's looking like a value. So, uh, But I think P.J. would have been a really awesome fit uh, with what they need in the interior. And, yeah, I like that pick. He's one of these guys who just knows exactly what he is already. Um, I think that sophomore year at Kentucky really helped him with that, learning what his role was going to be and, and what things he could do on the court and you know, playing small ball five, all these different skills he has developed as an NBA player versus just a, you know, a high school kid has been really cool to watch. And he's, I mean, a perfect fit for LaMelo Ball, I feel like. So yeah, enough PJ Washington love. People on Twitter have have made fun of me for how much I like him. But yeah, he's right there. Um, We got DeAndre Hunter fifth. So that means it's me sixth. I'm not sure if I can go all the way there with with John Hollinger but I'm also struggling for like an awesome substitute for Cam Johnson is it crazy to say Brandon Clark because that's where I'm leaning I I have my board set um I I'll go Brandon Clark I want to make things interesting (laughs) people also do not need to hear any more about how much I love Brandon Clark if they were listening all the way back around this draft Local kid, amazing basketball instincts, making an impact already with the Grizzlies. He's awesome. That's what I'll go, that's what I'll go with at six here. Yeah. Um, you know, the Grizzlies are just great at picking up guys like that, obviously, and Desmond Bain being the example this year. So, um, yeah, I think with this next pick, I'm going to go Cam Johnson. Um, I know there's going to be some people that, like, have Hero a lot higher. I'm just not entirely there yet. I think he's a special talent offensively. Bad this year. What's that? 
He's been pretty uh, yeah, bad he's been, this year. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with like those, you know, the playoff games that he had just kind of raised some unrealistic expectations for him. Um, you know, I think he's he's solid. Like he's he's going to end up being a, a really good scorer for a long time. But some of those uh, comparisons are getting carried away, and especially the Devin Booker comparisons. Like, just relax. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Cam Johnson here. <laughs> okay. Would you have gone with Clark at six like I did? Who do you have ahead between Clark and Johnson? So I have Cam ahead of Clark. They're in the same tier for me um, at okay. six and seven. I think it's it just comes down to what the NBA is right now, and I think Cam's more scalable and easier to fit into like what teams want to do. Um, I think Clark has been more productive as far as like filling out his role, but as far as like finding someone like Cam Johnson is I think more difficult than finding someone like Brandon Clark. So that was kind of the, the tiebreaker for me, but they're definitely in that same tier. You could see Cam ease. I mean, it's almost a no brainer that he's going to have a role to play in a playoff series. Mm -hmm. Whereas Clark, it's like, I was so surprised that he ended up falling the way he did, but, but Memphis is sort of one of the only places that's, ideal for him long term because Jaron's there and you need a player like that because I think the question for me with Clark is like does he ever really become a five and or does he really really develop a perimeter game enough where he can be a four where it's like he can shoot enough like a Draymond he can play make enough you know and be that type of a player he's kind of in this middle zone right now where it doesn't matter that much because Memphis is sort of in the early stages here but that's that's a good point that it's just more of a question of, of what he is, but um, I, I just, I'm in love with him, so I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. You already made the seventh pick. There's no going back. Uh, I'll go number eight here. Um, man, I kind of want to look good in the future, but I also don't want to be ridiculous. Um, hmm. So I feel like Lou Dort actually has a case, first of all. Uh, he didn't get drafted, but that was, I think, some engineering on the part of him Him and his agent. I think he would have gotten drafted. Um, I'm going to go... Okay, I'll go with Dort, because I think the other guy I have in mind might actually still be there at 10. So I'm going to go Lou Dort, undrafted to top 10 here in our redraft. Yeah, his, his defense is just ridiculous. I mean, ferocious he's a Devin Booker stopper like he credibly is like if they for whatever reason had to face the Thunder in a playoff series I would actually be worried about Booker like he really can stop guys like that it's it's impressive and his offense isn't terrible he's he's smart he can shoot a little like yeah he's a ready-made role player and he's gonna get better yeah unless he's uh pulling up from 45 feet and then the bubble I think that was Dort he shot that that really long three over yeah <laughs> but yeah no he's yeah. he's incredible yeah. um so what is this ninth or yeah ninth pick right? Ninth. Um, okay, I'm going to go spice things up a little bit. Kevin Porter Jr. Oh, okay. I, I think his upside is de- like definitely worth taking a swing on here, especially when you look at. I mean, there's some really interesting names here that are still available: Keldon Johnson, Tyler Hero, Garland. You know, but uh, I think Porter Jr. If he hits, he's just like a, he's a home run. So going to swing for the fences a little bit here. There's some character questions and stuff like that, but the talent is definitely there. He's all of a sudden just a 
like ten assist guy now. I don't know. <laughs> he just got traded to Houston and all of a sudden is like a point He's guard. It's pretty, now, apparently. So, I guess yeah. Whatever the the juice was that they were putting into Harden as part of his diet, they got they got Porter hooked up to the same stuff. I don't I don't know what to expect of him, but that's a really good one. Similar to the thing I was saying a minute ago of guys who could. Um, make me look smart in the future and that's where I'm gonna go first of all we have to give a shout out to Keldon Johnson who's having a hell of a season Um, it's not that I don't appreciate what he is I don't know how much upside he has as a player I feel like he's already sort of hit the peak of what I thought he could be in the NBA he wasn't someone I was super high on coming out of that draft he's obviously you know exceeded expectations I think he'll get better but I don't know what his ultimate upside is as a player and that makes it a little bit tough for me to get all the way there he's also small for a wing like technically yes they're kind of playing him at the four he's strong uh, I don't know so I'm not gonna go there um, I'm going with Nick Claxton Ooh. who I love unequivocally and always have I had him as like a borderline lottery pick all the way back when the draft happened I have the receipts let me see exactly where he was for me 14th and um, missed a lot of time last season and this season. He is back. He's playing. Uh, he's going to be an incredible steals and blocks guy already. He's have, He basically has at least uh, two or three every game since he's come back for the Nets. He's their like, backup five right now. I, I would not be surprised if he was playing a real role for the championship favorite Nets come playoff time. Uh, he can defend every position. He's a pretty smart playmaker. He's athletic. He can finish. I, I think that really, truly, like, could be a difference-making center for a long time. Yeah, and I think Brooklyn uh, needs to find a way to get him more minutes for sure. Just given what they their their structure of their team right now, but um, Blake's gonna block him out though. Yeah. What's gonna happen? <laughs> we'll see. I think he's gonna be good. Is that is that too much of a reach for for Claxton? Am I going crazy? I wouldn't take him that high, but I definitely think he has a case for a lottery for sure. Um, it just depends what, what your okay. team's looking for, you know. I feel you. Okay, so we'll, let's just do the lottery here. Let's not obviously do this. We're not going to do 60 picks. So you'll go with 11, and then we can rapid fire our way out of here. All right. Uh, I'm going to stick with my philosophy for this redraft of just swinging high just to close out this lottery. And I'm going to go with uh, uh, Talon Horton Tucker for the Lakers. <laughs> I, I think he's uh, he's someone that, his limbs, like there's there's only one person I've seen like that might top Mikel Bridges as far as looking like uh, he was created in a lab, like just how long his arms are, and that's THD, yep. and he's someone that was pretty high on coming out of the draft too, and um, being on the Lakers is definitely going to drive up the hype, I think, but there definitely is something there if he was on like a, a t- like a worse team and had more leash to kind of show his his bag, I think he'd be like there'd be a real case like for him to go top ten. He's that talented, but he's there's just not enough. Uh, there's not enough of a, a role or opportunity there at the moment. There could be though, you know, like those teams, they churn through players quickly because of how expensive they are. I don't think it's crazy to think we'll be hearing that guy's name more often. I love that we both came into this with the same mentality of just to um, be ridiculous <laughs> because we're skipping guys like. Keldon Johnson, who are having very, very nice years for themselves and picking undrafted players, second-round picks, guys who have barely gotten in NBA games. Um, But I think that's more fun. Um, Okay. 
Yeah, I, first of all, also, you were t- talking about his limbs. He reminds me of, like, Mike Wazowski from Monsters, Inc., <laughs> uh, where, like, his hands hang below his entire, like, abdomen. Uh, that's always what I think. It's so crazy to have a player like that who has ball skills at the same time, though, who can actually, like, make a play uh, on the ball. It's so rare for a player to, to be like that. Um, shouts to Jackson Hoy for getting a job off, off of realizing that Ja and Talon, and Talon Horton Tucker were good players um anyway let's go to my pick at 12 and i'll just go with kelvin johnson now i feel like it's too too hard to keep bypassing him he's a strong role player he's going to be that for a long time it looks like shooting um 32 from three over the or i'm sorry 38 from three over the course of his career 50 from the field and, and just making a difference already for what is basically a playoff team in san antonio who do you got at 13 yeah, Kelton's been great, and I'm going to go with, uh, I think, the same uh, with what you said, just Tyler Hero, like, I, I can't let him drop any lower than this, like, the talent's there, the flashes are there offensively, and there's some playmaking stuff, too, that I think, you know, that could be unlocked, so I'm going to go with uh, Hero here. Okay, so I'm closing us out here, end of the lottery, 14th pick. I feel like I want to go high upside again, but I've, we've already picked all those players. There's hardly anybody. Oh, I know. Darius Garland. Yep. I, I got a similar to Tyler Hero. It's like you can't ignore him. He, he's been productive more this season. He's not falling apart or, or like falling off of the map in games where you don't even notice he's out there. He's had some double digit assist nights. He's, you know, has he can stroke the, the deep the pull up three a little. Some of the stuff we saw at Vanderbilt's coming. And so I'll go with him. Yeah, Garland's awesome. He's, uh, I think, you know, him and him and Sexton. That's going to be a really fun backcourt. And also a shout out Kobe White. He uh, probably should have been included in this too. But there's we, we kind of swung for the fences a big Kobe, there. A Kobe bit. White guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's more of like a probably a, a really good six man than a starter. He's kind of that tweener where it's like, I'm not sure exactly what your role is going to be, but. You know, he's super, super so efficient. So undersized, yeah. and, and he's not very athletic. Yeah, it's just a tough road for him. It always was going to be. Um, I think Chicago reached there, and we all knew that at the time. He just was one of those tournament guys who just rose. They they like to pick those. I guess there wasn't a tournament last year, but Patrick Williams was a similar type of guy, uh, pre-draft sort of hero who, who gets stolen higher than he should have been maybe. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see how Kobe turns out. That's a, that's a good one to... He would be our 15th pick if we had one. but So it looks like the Suns were proved right on Cam Johnson then. <laughs> I think that's our takeaway once again here, just like Hollinger said. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, for it, for him to be like, I think in most redrafts, he'd probably go top 10, like consensus. And anytime you have that from a player that, I mean, yeah, they had him at 11, but whenever you're mocked like nationally for taking a guy, and then within like two years, he's already considered a top 10 guy, then... You're in good. You're in good shape. So, um, Ty yeah, Jerome, and especially didn't work out as well, but that's fine. He's he's doing fun stuff with Poku and OKC now. So, I'm rooting for Ty. I don't know. I don't know what what it will be for him. I think the NBA game snuck up on him a little bit, and it's disappointing. What? But yeah, definitely not. Was not on my radar for our lottery redraft. <laughs> Just had to give a shout out. Unfortunately, for sure. Um, and I think we're all rooting for him. I mean, he's like one of the best dudes you'll you'll meet, and one of the best dudes on that team last year. And the injury, bad timing, knee injury, all that. So yes, um, Cam, Cam proved them right trading 
the first for for Baines and Jerome, maybe not so much. But uh, that will close us out, guys. Hope you had fun with the redraft. Hope you are not going too crazy about Frank Kaminsky. We'll have a recap of the Suns-Grizzlies game coming to you right after the buzzer on Monday night. I will be in the building. So it should be a fun one, a game with playoff implications once again. Enjoy your Monday, and I will talk to you then. All right, I'll send that over to you.